Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please, please be seated. God communicates to us through his word. People say sometimes they struggle with what God is saying and the direction they're supposed to take in their lives. And I say to you, if you're looking with a little bit of confusion or a little bit of haziness into 2023, I say it again, God communicates to us through His Word. Pastorally and kindly, I refer people back to the Scriptures. They say, but I don't feel it. And, 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 and it's just not so clear. And I say, God's Word, the Spirit of God moved the authors of the Scripture to, to have for us the will and the plan for God, for all humanity, to write it down so we would be able to know it, to study it, to have it, to possess us. No other book, no other set of writings holds together like the Holy Scriptures. No book in antiquity is more consistent, more accurate. As the scriptures, the more they dig archaeologically, the more they study cartographically, the more they look at the topography of Israel and Judea and Egypt, the more they find out that the claims and the veracity of the scriptures delivered to us here and now today, they're real. They work. They are from God. And they have an authority that's beyond my authority or your authority or the power of your word and my word. What the word says becomes. And perhaps that's why in the history of humanity no word has lasted longer and been stronger and more authoritative than the word from the Lord himself. So it's no surprise, right? It's, it's no surprise that the, the guys who are studying to be pastors are notoriously filled with flashcards because we have to learn the vocabulary of the Scripture. Even vicars like young Micah here are immersed in the Word of God, not just in the English, which tends to change from generation to generation, but he even has to learn Greek. Not so much Latin, not so much German, but they immerse you in the Greek. For me, learning the language was very difficult, very difficult. I don't know if I have a little dyslexic thing going on, but it was very hard. We studied and studied and studied, and we studied all the various parts of speech. And for those of us who are a little older, we were immersed in the idea of diagramming sentences and understanding how language fits together and holds together so that we could accurately communicate. I'll never forget criticisms of my writing and my sermons from my vicarage supervisor being very painful. He had a very big red pen. And I would turn my sermons into him and then he would cover the manuscript with red. This doesn't fit. This doesn't work. This outline doesn't make sense. Your use of language is lazy. You're not doing a good job. You need to completely and totally redo this. Ugh. I didn't necessarily like that sort of correction, but it was that correction that made for disciplined writing and disciplined communication and good word usage. 
I had an old professor at Concordia St. Paul, Dr. Treichel, who said, you use too many words that don't mean anything, Klinkenberg. You, words like just and really and very, those are stupid words, and you shouldn't use them so much. And so if you notice in my writing and in my organization, very seldom do I use words like just, because nobody really knows what it means. Our culture is in love with pronouns right now. They love pronouns. Everyone wants a pronoun. And I never learned that a person could appropriate a part of speech to be their own. If I was to appropriate a part of speech to be my own, I would appropriate an adjective such as handsome, brilliant, articulate, macho, and silly. Those would be my chosen adjectives, which I could put on the bottom of all my letters, and then you would have to respond to me as, Dr. Klinkenberg, it's nice to see you, macho, brilliant, articulate, and handsome. But that doesn't work in our culture right now. People like pronouns, I, we, they, he, she, her, they, theirs, and program, pronouns are all the rage. But in our text today, I want to take you to a very important part of speech in God's Word. And instead of pronouns, it's prepositions. There's two prepositions that I'd like to, 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 to lead you to today. And as Sesame Street used to say, this sermon is brought to you by the prepositions in and through. In and through. As Micah read the lessons this morning... The preposition in is all over the word. In the beginning, he was with God in the beginning. In him was life. The true light coming into the world and again in the world. John wants to make sure that we don't see the gift of the word, the gift of the word made flesh, the gift of Jesus as something that is so far outside that he's disconnected from the world he created. God is in the world. Jesus is in the world. He is in your life. He is in your heart. He is in your reality. He is in your mind's eye. Jesus is in, not out of our lives. And I love that piece. The converse of that is true as well. The other side of that, as surely as Christ is in you, you are in Christ. And St. Paul is resolute in the word, in the scriptures, about that preposition. Over and over in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, Paul says, remember, you are in Christ, you are in Christ, you are a new creation, you are in Christ. And what a warm place for you to be. For when we are in Christ, we are beheld in the fullness of His grace, John writes. For to be in Christ is to know the fullness of grace and truth and to experience the freedom that comes from living in the grace that is in Christ. And so God looks at us in faith and He beholds us with this marvelous warmth of the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. He filters out our sin, our guilt, our shame. So to be in Christ means that our Heavenly Father looks at us like we look at the baby in the manger. 
and we behold His glory as God looks through Christ at you and me beholding us in His love. We are in Christ. And the second preposition there is, is marvelous as well. For we find our life through Him. Looking through Him at life is an unselfish way to look at life. It, it, it moves us from the center of our own universe to orbiting around Jesus. Christ at the middle and He working through us. Paul writes, we are ambassadors of God, therefore, as if Christ is making His appeal through us. In Him and through Him are all things, John writes. Now that's interesting to think about, right? God works through us. He didn't send androids down out of a ship. He, he didn't send some artificial intelligence down to kind of get everything squared away in a way that could be completely and perfectly aligned. Rather, He works in and through you and me, imperfect human beings who are inspired and led by the Spirit of God speaking to us through His Word. God works through you. He always works through means. His word is so clear. We had a baptism this week. We didn't baptize with Coca-Cola or iced tea. We baptized with water because water and the promise is the means by which God has given us in his word. This morning, maybe it would be more appropriate to gather around the table of the Lord with eggnog and some marvelous cookies and say, this is the body of Christ for you. But that would be stupid because that is not in the word of God. The Word leads us through the means of bread and wine tied to the promise of God by which God delivers forgiveness of sins, new life and salvation to you and me. God works in and through bread, through wine, through water, through the Word, through you and me. It's how He works and will continue to work in and through His people. Today is a great day of family and friends. You're going to be in your homes. You're going to be with your family. And you're going to have a marvelous day through all of the pieces of life that will be a part of your Christmas day. And loved ones will be pulled together with this marvelous warmth that comes through the hospitality that we either get to experience or provide. Around the living rooms, our words are filled with grace and encouragement. Your family's hearts will be warmed as your words are filled with kindness and love. It's kind of how it works. Because in your family, God works in and through you. Now, I didn't bring vocabulary cards for everybody to take home, although that, that might not be a bad idea to pursue in the end of the year. I know that people are critical of my sermons, and I like that. Say, Pastor, you used that word wrong. You had a, a, a modifier that didn't agree with the antecedent. And when they say that, I actually know what they mean. And I appreciate that. God works in and through His Word. So as Christians, it becomes a critical habit for us to use and know His Word every day of our lives for us to be in the Word of God and have our hearts and lives moved and inspired by the Word 
of God. To read them, to know them, to let them have the authority by which we make decisions and judge the behaviors of our lives and what sets us loose in the world. If there's anything that guides your life, if there's anything that leads you, it should be the Word, the Word of God. And so I'm all about prepositions and not pronouns. Nothing wrong with your pronouns. I can live with that. But the prepositions seem to be very powerful in this text. And so my prayer is that you would be in the Scriptures because you are in Christ and that you would let God speak to you through His Word. And then through His Word, He would work in you to make a difference in the lives of other people and that He would use you in the new year as He works through you in the time, the days, the month, the year that is ahead. God go with you and bless you as you celebrate this marvelous day of his birth. In the name of Jesus.